Welcome to the podcast from Church of the Nazarene. Please subscribe to this podcast for the latest updates and new episodes. And you can also search for the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts. We also invite you to join us each Sunday morning at 9 on our YouTube channel or Facebook Live. You can also join us in person at 9 or 1030 for our English services or 1145 for our Spanish service. We also invite you to join Celebrate Recovery every Monday night at 630. Thanks for listening. Well, I want to begin today with a thought, with an idea. Maybe it's new to you. It's a radical idea. Maybe it doesn't seem as radical to you because you've heard it many, many times. But I want to start these three words today. God loves you. God loves you. I just want you to see that on the screen. And I want you to pause whatever thoughts and feelings and in your head. It's Father's Day, so maybe you're thinking of the things. I want you to pause all of that for a minute and just think about these three words. And, and, and God loves you. Maybe you're in the room today and no one's ever told you that. Maybe you've heard it a thousand times, but, but today I want you to just, with me, just take a, take a breath. Think about that. The God who created the heavens and the earth loves you. The God who knows the number of hairs on your, on your head, he loves you. He loves you. He holds the whole world in his hands, but yet he loves you. I don't, I don't know about you, but that's good news. That makes, I, I, I know, I know there's some of us today, you're like, come on, man, this is all you got today that we showed up for this. No, 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 seriously, if this is all we had today, this is good news. I don't know, is there anybody else today that just feels like celebrating that? God, God loves us, that we're loved today. That's good news. Some of you, I want to lovingly shake you a little bit. Like, that's true. Do you believe that's true today in your life? It is. God loves you. And, and, and help me. Help me for a minute. Maybe you can help your neighbor. Just turn to him for a minute. Tell him, look him in the eye and say, God loves you. Like, do that right now. Who, whoever it is next to you. Maybe they needed to hear. Maybe you rode here with them. You better really say it, right? God loves you. God loves you. It's true. I don't want to ever get over that truth. If today you've gotten over that. Shame on us, right? I don't want to ever get over that truth. The God of the universe loves you. That's the story of God. It's his love story, a redemption story, and it can be summed up in these words, right? God loves you. You. He loved the whole world. Yeah, that's true. He loved the whole world, but he loves you. That's beautiful. Now, uh, I, have another, I have another statement today I want us to see. It's maybe not as exciting to hear, but it's challenging, and, and it's equally as important I believe is the first one's really fun. I like that one. But the second one, maybe not as fun, but, but I think it's important for us to receive today. The second phrase I want us to focus on this morning is this, God tests you. There's not going to be applause on that one. I understand. Yeah, we don't hoop and holler for that one. I had to really work hard to get you to celebrate God loves you. God tests you. Some of you are like, I think it's time for lunch. I'm going to go now, right? Because this is not as exciting. It hurts a little bit. In fact, in fact... We, we might wrestle with, is that even true? Because if, if the first part is true, that God loves you, how can the second part be true? How can a God who loves me also test me? That messes with us a little bit, doesn't it? I, I stopped this week because I was like, wait, is that true? I think it's true, but why, why is it true? How is it true? How can both of those be true? But, but here, I, I want you to hear this this morning. There's a powerful truth in the tension of these together. The fact that God loves you, but also, at times, God tests you. 
Well, how, how can that be true? Well, we can't ignore this tension because I think it matters, especially, especially during tough times, especially during seasons. And some of you are in seasons like that right now where, where it's just not easy. I think it's important to not ignore this tension, but to dive in a little bit because I believe some of us today are, are desperate. We're desperate for hope. We're desperate for answers. This summer, we've been journeying through a series called The Wanderers. And if you've been with us, I think this has been a really fruitful season, a really fruitful series. Uh, We've started in the book of Exodus. We won't ultimately end there, but we're focusing, what are we focusing on? The journey of the Israelites, and they are wanderers. They are literally wandering through the desert. Uh, And there's beautiful parts of the story. If you've been with us, you've seen it, you've heard it. There's beautiful parts of the story. There's miracles God's power, God's provision, right? We've seen that, but yet at the same time, we've seen disappointment. We've seen confusion. We've we've, we've seen pain in in these moments, in these snapshots. Uh, In this series, what is it really about? It's about looking at these snapshots along their way and understanding the promise that God had for them right there in the book of Exodus, but then the promise that God has for us today and why ultimately are we spending uh, the bulk of our summer here it's because I believe that some of us here today are in a desert season of life some of us here today God loves you everybody's hooping and hollering and you're just like man I I, want to believe that's true but I don't feel that way today if you knew my circumstances today Adrian you would understand this is it's tough Uh, some of us are in a season of confusion Some of us are in a season that feels like the wilderness. You feel like a wanderer. And that's why I just felt like the Lord led me to to this journey, that we would take this journey together in the desert season when it's painful. You're you're saying, God, where are you? God, what are you doing? And and because of that, I really resonate with some of the stories and snapshots that we're looking on today. So so one one of the constant themes that we see throughout this series is the grumbling of the people. It literally uses that word time and time again that the people grumbled. They grumbled. Uh, So far, this is what we've seen God do. So if you haven't been here or if you've been in and out, here's what we've seen God do. We saw God perform miracles to deliver the Israelites. They were captive in Egypt for 400 years. And God performs miracle after miracle after miracle until Pharaoh finally says, get them out, let them go. (laughs) Let them go. And then what happens? God performs a miracle. He parts the Red Sea. He delivers them. They literally walk through the sea on dry ground. That's pretty amazing, right? He delivers them from the Egyptian army. He provides last week clean water in the middle of the desert. The only water they could find was bitter and toxic. And they couldn't drink it, but God cleanses the water and gives them a literal oasis in the middle of the desert. And yet, in the middle of all of that, they complain. They grumble. No matter how much God does, no matter how many, you know, how many miracles you have to see, oh, surely now they walk through the ocean on dry ground. Surely now they'll trust God. No, no, just turn the next page, and here they are grumbling again. So what does God do? He tests them. He tests them. Some points through the story, he keeps testing them. He, he's allowing them to be tested in their wandering. And the question, why? Why does God do this? Well, let's dive in. So we're going to be in Exodus chapter 16 today. It would be a great day if you have your copy of scripture to pull it out because we're going to, we're going to be in the bulk of this chapter. So if you have a, a version app on your phone, some of us are, are app users, you know, and that's cool. You can read it there or you can pull out your copy of scripture. I'll have it on the screen, but it's just super helpful for you to see the context 
of where we're going to be living today because we're going to be in Exodus chapter 16. Uh, the answer to that question, why, why is God testing them? It's right here. And, and so uh, lean in. Here are the people that, that God has provided for. Uh, literally just a chapter before, right? The, the water in the desert. And now there's more circumstance. There's more opportunity for testing. And we're going to see it here. We're going to skip around a little bit. But let's begin verse 1 of Exodus 16. It says this. The whole Israelite community set out from Elam and came to the desert of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai. Uh, on the 15th day of the second month after they had come out of Egypt. So it's been about 40 days, right? <laughs> a month and a half here that they have been on this journey in the wilderness. In the desert, the whole community. Now we read that. It could be as many as three, 3 million people. <laughs> That's a large crowd, right? So the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted, but you brought us out in the desert to starve this entire assembly to death. In other words, we, we wanted to be slaves again. At least then we had food, right? Verse 4, Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them. We're going to come back to that in a minute. In this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. So on the sixth day, they're to prepare what they bring in. So that is twice as much as they gather on these days. Then verse 6. So Moses, so Moses and Aaron said to all the Israelites in the evening, you will know that it was the Lord who brought you out of Egypt. And in the morning, you will see the glory of the Lord because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we that you should grumble against us? Moses also said, you will know that it was the Lord when he gives you meat to eat in the evening and all the bread you want in the morning because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we? You are not grumbling against us, but against the Lord. Jump over a few verses to verse 13. Uh, that evening, quail came and covered the camp. And in the morning, there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. When the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, what is this? For they didn't know what it was. And Moses said, it is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. Jump over a little bit farther towards the end of the chapter. We're going to pick up just the last uh, few verses. Verse 31 through 35. This is what it says. The people of Israel called the bread manna. It was white like coriander seed and tasted like wafers made with honey. Moses said, this is what the Lord has commanded. Take an omer of manna and keep it for generations to come so that they can see the bread I gave you to eat in the wilderness when I brought you out of Egypt. So Moses said to Aaron, take a jar, put an omer of manna in it, then place it before the Lord to be kept for generations to come, as the Lord commanded Moses, Aaron put the manna with the tablets of the covenant of law so that it might be preserved. The Israelites ate manna 40 years until they came to a land that was settled. They ate manna until they reached the border of Canaan. Let's pray. God, uh, this is your word today. As we open your word, uh, literally, God, we now pray that we would open our hearts we want to receive your truth, God. Part of our, our, our mission here is to be transformed by God, to bring hope to others through Christ. And so we believe opening your word, reading your word, being changed by your word, that, that's part of how you transform us. So come now and transform us according to your will. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Amen. So, so the question, and you know if you're around here long enough, I, I love questions. I have a lot of questions, but there's one question I have. I have this question after reading this story, but more importantly, I have this question because like you, I've been following along the last few weeks. As Pastor Sam helped us kick off this series, and then last week and this week, I've been paying attention, and so I'm following kind of the trajectory of the story. And the question I have that maybe you would have as you read the story is the question, why? Why? If, if God loves his people, and we started with that statement today, right, that God loves you. If that's true, th- then, then why this? Why Why bring the people that he loves into the middle of a desert where there's nothing to eat? Their rations have, I mean, they're a month and a half into the wilderness here. So their rations, whatever they packed, they're gone. So here they are in the middle of a desert, and they're hungry. So why? Why, why is this the plan? And more specifically, after all they've been through, talk about PTSD, Right? That they finally got to leave slavery. Then they're being chased down by an Egyptian army. And there's an, an ocean in front of them, right? So God parts that and they get through. Then they're three days. They don't have anything to drink. They're, they almost die there. So talk about PTSD. Now, God, you want to you bring them through this? Why? I, th- I thought you, you love. I thought you love these people. I thought you love us. Well, good for us that the scripture shows us. Look at it again in verse 4. The scripture is very clear on why this and why now and why, why is God testing them. Look at verse 4 again if you have it. It says, the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them. And look at what it says next. And see whether they will follow my instructions. So why, why does God allow them to be tested? Why does he test them in this way, well, to see if they will follow him. And kind of the indication there is to see if they will follow him and trust him instead of trusting in themselves, instead of trusting in so many other things, to see are they really, are they really going to trust in God? It's, it's as if this is what he's teaching them. He, he's teaching them, he's teaching them to trust that he is their heavenly father. It's as if all of those years in bondage and in slavery, he's teaching them what it's like to be children instead of slaves. And children trust their father. They trust their father, not just when it's good and easy, but even when it's hard. So he's not testing them for his benefit. The Lord's not getting joy out of this, right? But, but for their benefit, he wants them to trust that he's their father, a good father, and a father that provides. So that, that's... That's the why here. Think about that. To trust him as father is to know, to know that he is going to provide for you. He is the source of your provision. That, that's what he's desperately wanting to teach them in the middle of the wilderness. So what does he do? He sends quail to eat, right? And day after day, what does he do? He sends manna, not for one day, not for one week. The scripture says for 40 years, They never had to worry about 
having something to eat. For 40 years, the manna was there day after day. They go to bed at night. I wonder if it'll be there tomorrow. It was there. They'll go to bed at night. I wonder if tomorrow we'll have. They had it for 40 years, day after day after day, except for the Sabbath, right? They would pack extra on that day alone. But every other day, day by day by day, they, they couldn't hoard for tomorrow. They couldn't store up what they needed. No, no, day by day for 40 years, they had to trust when I wake up tomorrow, God is going to give me what I need need because he's my father and I trust him. He's my father. He's going to provide for me. He's my father. He, he loves me and I'm going to trust in his provision. Have you ever been in a season? Have you ever been in a season where you struggled to believe that God could provide for you? That's not fun to admit and that's probably not something like I'll raise my hand you because know, that feels a little bit like Ugh. We, maybe, I know in my life, I would say, oh, God, I believe you can provide, but, but the way I lived, the way I worried, the things I was thinking about, man, it didn't show that. I was thinking of some of my brothers and sisters, some of our church family here. Uh, there, again, this is a series that was really birthed out of this, this desire to speak to the hearts of those that are in a desert season. And I was thinking of some, even this week who might be here in this tension of, of can God provide for me? I was thinking of one friend, he desperately needs a job. I was thinking of another who, who needs healing and wisdom and comfort because there's a really scary medical diagnosis that they're walking through right now. I was thinking about them and what does it mean to trust that God can provide when you're walking that road? I was thinking of, of another who needs peace. It's just been a season of loss after loss, uh, friends, close family, and, and they're walking that just constant season of grief. It's a desert season. I wondered for that person, what, what would it feel like to know that God can provide even in that grief? I was thinking of another who, who really needs hope, just a sense of purpose, because right now their life feels like it has no purpose at all. I wondered for that person, what would it feel like to believe that God can provide even in that desert season? How about, how about you? How about you? Do, you? do you remember that moment? Can you resonate with that feeling of, of your struggling? You want to believe that he's Jehovah Jireh. You want to believe that he can provide. If he provided 40, 40 years of manna day after day after day, yeah, yeah, he's God the provider, except there's this thing in my life. I want to believe that's true, but I'm struggling, struggling to declare it's true. There's another question. I started with the question of why, but there's another question I'd like us to consider today as we apply this truth, this story, because this story is not just a historical, ooh, isn't that cool? Isn't it neat that God did that way back then? It's, this is a story that I believe is relevant context for us today. And so the question I want each of us to consider today is this, can you think of anything you need that God can't provide? Can you think of anything that you need right now in your life that God can't provide? Anything in your that you need? Now, there's some wants and there's some, I get it, right? I've prayed for things before, and later I've looked back and said, wow, God, thank you for not giving me that. I thought I needed that, but you knew what I needed, so, so we get that, right? But today, whatever it is, whatever your list is, whatever the things is that you desperately need from the Lord, what is it today that you need that he can't provide? I think that's a question worth asking yourself today. I think that's a question worth wrestling with a little bit today. Can you think of anything you need 
God can't provide. What's so fascinating about this story in Exodus 16? What's really fascinating, because we get to read it on this side of the gospel, of this side, but, but what's really fascinating about Exodus 16 is Jesus refers back to this story. And Jesus doesn't refer back to every, you know, you, you know that, you read the, the New Testament, you know Jesus doesn't just go through the Old Testament, but, but Jesus actually refers to this encounter in Exodus 16, this moment of the wanderers in the desert. Jesus saw this as such a pivotal moment that thousands of years later, as he was walking the earth, he points believers back to this moment. Maybe, you, maybe you've forgotten, but it's in John chapter 6. We're not going to go there together now, although I'm going to share just a verse with you, but I would challenge you to look it up later because Jesus is pointing back to this moment. And why is he doing that? He's reminding his disciples that in that moment, way back when, remember your ancestors, remember the children of Israel in the desert, and remember that it was God who provided. They didn't provide for themselves. They didn't get up and make the manna fall. God did it day after day after day, year after year after year. He's reminding them of this moment, but then Jesus says something astounding. Something that even as he says it, the disciples are incapable of truly understanding what Jesus is saying. He reflects on this story in Exodus 16, and then in John 6, 35, this is what Jesus says. He says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. As he speaks these words, right, he's moving closer and closer and closer to the moment that he will die on the cross, the moment that he will lay down his life for the sin of all humanity, right, his mission. He's taking that step moment by moment as he speaks these words. He's closer and closer and closer to that moment. You see, the truth is today God provides. And did he provide that moment in in those years, 40 years in Exodus chapter 16? Absolutely he provided. But the good news for us, see, the thing that we have the benefit of, we get to read this story in the light of the whole gospel. And so we know that it's true that God provided in Exodus 16, but we know God's provision far extended that, right? Because we get to see that God provided in Jesus. The scripture said at the fullness, in the fullness of time, Jesus would come. And Jesus would come to provide for for the ultimate need, not a a physical need, but a spiritual need because we were sinners and we were broken and we were enemies with God and we deserved everything that was coming to us, death and destruction. And and without Jesus coming for us, that's all, we, we, we would be hopeless people. But Jesus, at the fullness of time, he came. He came and laid down his life. He paid the ultimate price, and he became the bread of life, the ultimate provision, not for our our tummies, but for our souls. That's who Jesus became for us. You see, the truth is God provides right there in Exodus 16, but he didn't stop there. He didn't stop there. The story of God in these pages is a constant reminder. Generation after generation, God provides. God provides. What is it in your life? What is it in your life that's too big for God? Oh, sin? Sin, that's too big for you. Not too big for God, is it? Death, destruction, hell, damnation? That's too big for me. I don't know about you, right? It's not too big for God. He is the provider. It happened in the desert, and it happened on the cross of Calvary, and it's happening today right where you are. The same God in the pages of the story is right where you are today. He is your provider. He is 
all that you need, no matter the season, no matter the heaviness, no matter the weariness that you find yourself in today. He's still the provider. If he sent his son, the bread of life, to the cross of Calvary, and then after three days, he resurrected, raised to new life, overcoming death. What is it today that he can't provide in your life if he could provide that? So I like Augustine's quote. He says it this way, that God is always trying to give good things to us, but our hands are too full to receive them. I don't know. It's easy for me to see on this, say on this side of it, but it's almost like the children of Israel in the desert, they had to be tested because their hands were full with too many things, trying to figure it out on their own, trying to provide for themselves, trying to work it out. And it's almost as if God had to bring them through this test so they would drop all of the things they were holding on to and receive his provision. Not their own provision, but his provision. So the question, the question, right? Can you think of anything today that you need that God can't provide? The band's going to come, and here's how we're, we're going to close the service today. I, I, felt, I felt really clearly, if you're new or you're visiting or just checking us out a little bit, we, we don't do this every week, but I just felt this week, this message, I think it invites us to respond in some way. I believe every week we, we need to respond, but I felt like the Lord was just prompting my heart this week to invite us in community to respond. So here's what we're going to do. Um, in front of you there or on your seat, maybe you're sitting on it, you might want to check underneath your rear there. Uh, there was a card. <laughs> you might be sitting on it, but, but there was a card. There's nothing special. It's an index card. I want, you, I want you to do something right now. This is between you and the Lord. Nobody else. It's not you know, broadcasted or anything like that. This is just a moment between you and the Lord today, I would like you to seriously consider today what is the thing? What is the thing in your life that you struggle to believe God can provide for you? What is it in your life? You wouldn't say it out loud, maybe, but, but if we could see the thoughts going through your mind, if we could see at times the worry and anxiety that's overwhelming for you, you would be honest and say, this is it. This is it. Some of us, maybe it's, I don't believe that God can provide for my family. I don't believe that God can provide financially. I don't believe that God can provide in the midst of really challenging health crisis. I don't believe that God can provide for my family or aging parents or, or kids that are far from, I don't know what it is today and, and I can't name all the things, but I believe today if you ask the Lord, and maybe as I'm, I've been sharing this morning, you already know what it is because you can feel it. Oh yeah, that's the thing. Can I just ask you today, so, so hold the card in your hand. Would you do that with me now? I, wanna, I just want to invite you to have the courage to name it. Not just think about it. Not, I'm going to pray about that. What is it? I'm, right now, would you just have the courage to write it on the card? What is it today? Maybe you know without a shadow of a doubt because as I've been sharing, the Holy Spirit's been speaking to you. We're going to take a minute, though, to just be quiet and still and maybe right now with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, you just want to invite the Lord say, Lord, what is it today that I don't believe you can provide for me? Where is it in my life where it feels like I'm in the middle of the desert and there's nothing to eat? 
just going to pause for a minute because I want to give you a, a moment to reflect. There's no pressure, but, but today, I believe there's power in naming the thing. What is it? Writing it there and saying, there it is, God. There's the thing. There's the thing that battles day after day. There's the thing that wars against my heart. There's the thing that disrupts my peace. There it is, Lord. I'm going to give you another minute because some of us are praying. Some of us are asking the Lord, Lord, what is it today? What is it today that I, I, I don't believe you can provide? Where is it, Lord? Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Would you just write that down on your card? This is personal today. I want to spend a minute just praying now as, as we're processing, as we're thinking, God, today, forgive us, but this is not about guilt and shame. This is about being honest and open before a, a Father who loves us. So today, if, if your spirit's revealing something, Lord, we don't, we don't have to hide that. We don't have to feel ashamed. Give us the courage right now to just name that, whatever it is, because we don't want to hold on to it any longer. We don't want to give whatever that is any more control, any more dominion, any more power in our lives anymore. We Give us the courage right now to just write it, to own it. Here it is with us now, God. We don't need to be afraid. You're, you're here with us. You're our Heavenly Father. You love us. We don't need to be ashamed. Church family, um, would, would you stand now? Would you stand? We're going to spend a minute praying. We're going to spend a minute singing. Um, some of us today, I just, I just felt led to do this. And again, I don't know who it's for. But some of us here today, we, we have something written down. And it's not proud of it. It doesn't feel good, but it's, it's real. We're being real today. As we sing, we're going to sing in a minute about the love of the Father. The love of the Father for us. Maybe today, as we sing, whatever that is today that you're holding on to, maybe, maybe you would feel led to just come and, and place it on an altar. Your name's not on it. It's not about us tracking you down. It's not, no, it's not it. I just, I just felt today, this is a, a physical response for some of us in the room. Maybe not all of us, but some of us today. This is such a heavy thing in the desert season. This is such a thing that's been weighing us down that this is an opportunity to say, God, I will not hold on to this anymore. I, I, I physically, I, I want to do something to respond today. And so if that's you, as this song sings, you're invited to just come and place it on an altar. And by doing that, by just saying, God, this is yours. I, I will not hold on to it. I will not buy the lie any longer that this is too hard for you. So God, be with us now. We're going to worship. We're going to declare who you are. We're going to lift you up in this place. And some of us today are just continuing to respond. God, you are our provider. You are our good father. You are the bread of life. Everything that we have, God, you've given us. And so we trust you. We trust you. We trust you. Come, meet us now as we lift up your name. Come as two or three are gathered in your name. You're there with us, God. So come, inhabit the praise of your people as we sing even now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for listening today. Go ahead and subscribe to our channel for updates and new episodes. 
And if you have any questions about our church or ministries, go ahead and email us at info at cotnaz.org.